Welcome to Look See, the podcast for anyone and everyone curious about the art, the artists, and the creative community in Richmond and beyond. I'm Paige Goodpasture. Richmond photographer Cynthia Hennebury has gotten a lot of attention early in her career as an artist. One of her pictures, made while she was still in graduate school, hangs in the Virginia Museum of Fine Arts. But while she doesn't shun success, that's not the reward she's looking for in her work. The true gift, she says, is in that moment of connection between her and the person she's photographing. The picture that comes of it is a bonus. Cynthia works intuitively, and the people that she has been moved to photograph are almost exclusively children. Her pictures explore the complexity of childhood, the loneliness and worry, as well as the sweetness and adventure. In our conversation, she talks about how her life informs her work, her way of approaching the work, and what photography is to her. our family photo wall, which is actually where my history of photography begins. So Mavis in the back seat, which is the picture that's hanging now at the VMFA, that was your first picture? Of her, specifically of her. And actually it did mark a real transition in that particular series of work. This is the picture that I took after that. So that was actually the first picture I ever made. And then this was actually, though, on that same first day. And it's such a different picture, and she looks like a different person. Everything's different. So Mm -hmm. this picture is more similar. The one we're looking at a picture of Mavis. She's leaning against the same car, which is their family car, which is this old, you know, jump seat in the back, big, pale blue. And so she's leaning against the car, and she's in a more reflective mode, and she's not looking at the camera, and she's not challenging the camera or the photographer. You know, you know that I was there because the picture was taken. The picture didn't take itself. But there's more the implication of her private world and inner world. And up until the picture of her in the back seat, the pictures in this series for me have been much more in line with that about the spaces of reverie and reflection. And then they started to change a little bit. So there's so many interesting elements of this picture For some reason, I'm fascinated by the fact that she's standing in her bare feet on what I know are very uh, painful pieces of gravel. Yeah, she's a tough cookie. I can't believe. See, like this is actually the fact that you said that is really amazing to me because I learn so much from the pictures after I take them. You know, you take the picture, you have this moment. There are all these things happening outside of what you're aware of, you think you're taking the picture for one reason, and then your unconscious is letting in all these other details. And the thing that I love about the large format camera is that those details are really apparent in the print. For me, there's the process of taking the picture, which is so instantaneous. And then later on, when I'm going back and looking at the negative on the computer screen, and there's so many details, and they're so sharp. And for me, like the sharpness of the taillight, it's like realer than real. And Mm -hmm. I think There is this sort of hyper-reality in large format pictures that it looks realer because when you're looking at it in real life, your eye actually cannot take in that many details. It just can't. You think about like even right now we're in this room, there's so many details in the space around us, so many, and we're not noticing any of them because we're talking to each other and we're looking at this picture and you're having your experience and I'm having mine, and but all the details are still there and they're real. 
So anyway, back to this detail of her on the gravel. I remember the beginning of the summer, we had this very same kind of gravel in our yard. And I would, in the beginning of the summer, very consciously start going barefoot so that I would toughen my feet up, you know, by the end of the summer. And I think like a lot of kids do that. So then when you said that, I'm like, oh my God, this moment like just comes back to me. So there's that detail, which I love. And I love, there's also all the bumper stickers in this picture. You know, the one of her in the back seat is very much about her. It's about her relationship to me. It's about the relationship between light and dark. It's about the gaze between photographer and subject and adult and child. But here, it's so much more about the scene. And so there's like this Beastie Boys bumper sticker, which I love. But then if you look closely, there's a make love, not war, tiny bumper sticker you can see, which I, I love because for me, like the work is a lot about this period of time in my life in the 70s and 80s, which had to do with conflict within the home and then also in the outside world. My activism was a big part of our family home for my mom in particular. And so there was all this engagement with that in the outside world and yet in the home, which is where we kind of take our identities and there was natural family conflict. So as we were walking up the stairs, we walked past a wall with all kinds of amazing family photos. And you said, as we were walking up the stairs, this is kind of where it all starts for me with these photos and what they say about my life as a child. And now you have very quickly circled back to that. So clearly that's something that informs your work. So can you talk about that a little bit more? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So for me, in our family, in particular, my mom's family, there was a history of there always being photographs on the stairwell going up. And my bedroom was on the third floor. And the photo wall went up and I would look at these pictures, which didn't change. And I would look at them every day and really studied them. I just had an interest in them from as long back as I can remember. I think there's a way in which people are looking to photographs, you know, for the truth to try to figure out who they are, which you can't do, by the way. <laughs> no, it's a fool's errand. I do know that. And yet there is a really interesting relationship to the truth that photography has. So this experience for me was a really visceral and significant one of going up and looking at the pictures and trying to figure out who I was in relationship to these other people. And then also noticing how my perception of different pictures changed over time. As I changed, I had a different perspective of the pictures. The best example or most poignant I can give to that is there's a photograph I have and it's of my great grandmother, my grandmother, my mother and me. And in that picture, my mother always looked so old for the longest time. And then not so old, you know, but my grandmother, my great-grandmother, so old, you know, and now my, they're all dead. So it's like, really this sense of perspective, it just keeps changing. The photograph is the same. The photograph has always been the same. It was just that moment was just this tiny slice of time of that evening, you know, of that month, of that year that contained how many moments, just even that one evening that that photograph was taken. And yet I've been living with it all this time and use it to reflect on, I mean, really the impermanence of everything. <laughs> and I'm next, you know, I'm next. That's so interesting. There was this great quote about how photography is this moment and the past and the future fall off like sheer cliffs on either side of it. And that imagery, it was like a photograph. I mean, it's so visual. I finally internalized that idea that a photograph is this tiny, tiny, tiny. split second right. moment. Well, and, and how, and I think actually in that article, I, I don't know if it was T.J. Cole or 
But there isn't one decisive moment because in this particular moment, there's your decisive moment and there's mine. I mean, we're projecting the world out from our eyeballs. Um, Mary Carr, what did she say? We don't so much, we don't so much apprehend the world as projected out through our eyeballs. That's the truth, you know. But there is a real world too. So to me, photography or really any art actually, and if it's beyond art, it's just expression or creativity, is the intersection between our inner world and the outside world. So. For me, with that picture of Mavis, either of the pictures, it doesn't matter. All of the moments of my life leading up to that moment and all of the moments in her life leading up to that moment inform that picture. And then the picture happens and, and then you move on. That's really profound to me in a way. There's something that I need to see in the world that photography can reflect back to me. For me, it keeps reflecting it back to me until I really see it, you know, and really accept it and take it into me. And then it can kind of intermingle in me. And then art to me is the process of like returning it to the world. Because I think also, and this has been written about a lot, not a lot, not enough, actually, <laughs> you know, photography's relationship to death, because it's really about death. I mean, that's why we hold on to photographs. But it's about death for a million reasons. But one of the most basic is like, you know, this idea and when it was invented that photography is more permanent than the human body. And that's true. And so it's a way of holding on to something that we can't. We just can't. Mm. It gives us that illusion. It's really a wonderful illusion, I think. And it's really consoling to people. In addition to the family photo wall, my mother was a photographer. And we also had photo books all over the house. It was very normalized for me growing up. It never even occurred to me to go to art school because I was like, well, just photography is just something that you do. Of course, you record all of these things. So I didn't give a lot of consideration to why I did what I did. And now I, I do feel that I have a better understanding. For me, it's really a, about it's a process of paying attention to a specific moment or to a specific person and then returning that moment to the person in the form of a print, maybe, or whatever. I don't have to do it with the camera. I can just be there. But I think the camera lets the person know that we're doing something together, you know. Well, and I also think that there's an aspect to it, referring back to what you were just talking about, about the permanence or semi-permanence of photography, that, yes, it's about death, but it's also about those fleeting moments. Right. It's about life, too. It's about yeah. affirming the life that exists now. For my work, I work with a specific group of kids, and that's evolving based on what I need to do, you know? So for me, it is this very sort of life-affirming process, and it's affirming whatever life in them needs to show up. So most of the pictures that I took in this particular period of time look quite serious, serious is the wrong word, but they're attentive. You know, the kids are being very attentive in them. It doesn't mean that the kids are like that most of the time because they're not. And I don't ask them to make a certain expression. It's just that for me, working with this particular camera and in this particular stage of my own life, which did have a lot of loss in it, and I was working with kids that had particular situations in their lives. So I feel like I can show up and be present and then whatever needs to show up shows up, mm -hmm. you know. One of the things that I'm wondering about as you are describing, you know, showing up for these kids and, and really they're showing up for you yeah. is what is your process in yeah. working with kids in particular? I just started noticing certain kids that I felt I needed to photograph and it's not wasn't any particular external quality. It definitely was an age range that I was really drawn to. And at first it was just girls 
And it was clear to me early on that there was a connection with my own life. Art is making form out of the world, which is essentially formless. Our experiences are these formless things, and then we solidify them. And we're making art from the most mysterious and unknown places in ourselves. That's why it's terrifying. And that's why we're curious, you know? And then we make art. And then later we can talk about what human concepts are in them, what mental constructs, what cultural concepts are going on in the work. And I think that's really important, but that's not how you make the work. The work comes from a much darker and more unknown place, you know? I've always taken pictures since I was about 10, but it was in this very sort of documentary way, in the way that my mother did, of of recording life on some innate level, recognizing the impermanence of things. And so photography was both creating a document and records of that, as well as, as definitely this sort of tool for experimentation and curiosity. I know I wasn't that curious about the tool, about the camera. Like, I didn't question why I was doing it. And then my children were born, and then you start having a different relationship to everything after your children are born, right? You know, it just changes everything. And so when my older son was, I guess, probably about five or six, I started noticing that the pictures were changing and that I was taking pictures of his friends as much. More time was passing in the pictures and I was just getting more and more curious about photography and more sort of obsessive too, like I have to take pictures. And I think something in me was just on the hunt. And then over time, I started noticing that two girls kept showing up in the frame and that I knew they were daughters of friends. And and I couldn't figure out why, even though it was so obvious. It's like you look back and you're like, so why why didn't I? This is all so obvious, you know? But the most obvious things to us are not obvious until they are. But I just, then I was like, oh, they remind me of myself at that age. And this is important. I think I need to follow this thread. And then that led me to all these other threads. And then I started noticing kids on the street that I needed to photograph. And I just would ask. And I was always so, am always so humbled when people would say yes. I started working with a large format camera. You can't make candid pictures. So I would make an appointment basically and say, I'm a photographer and I'd like to work with you. And I would, the the child's consent is most important. Obviously I need the parent's consent, but it's really between me and the child. They need to really be interested in it. What I definitely noticed is that the kids who I identify, there's a certain internal quality. And there were certain things going on in their lives that related to my autobiography that are significant, but that I'm not going to bring up because they're just metaphors in a way. I don't want people to get too attached to the specifics. The specifics don't really matter. It would always turn out that I would find out later on that we had these things in common. And it was this weird like sixth sense that would draw me to them. And almost always, you know, would work with the person and it, and it was like, yeah, this is really right and something really would come of it, of the connection. You know, everybody needs attention. I mean, everybody, everybody needs attention at some point or another. I really resonate with what I heard Judith Joy Ross, who's one of my favorite portrait photographers. She said, if someone asked her, about, like, how do you identify your subjects? And she said, I think I, I take a picture of the person in the room who most needs attention paid to them at that moment. In a given room, if there was a crowd, I would know immediately who needs their picture taken. But it's that part of me that needs attention paid to that then has a relationship with that part of that person. And then I really feel that we're doing something together, you know. I mean, I think that's very apparent in your work. Taking pictures of children, I mean, it is kind of more straightforward in a way than taking pictures of an adult, but then not. Right. 
even if it's the kid who's had their picture taken a billion times by their parents in a way that they've had to pretend for the camera, still when we get together, I can say, you know, you can just, you can be yourself. And they're not just words, like I really mean it and they know that and so then their body reacts and responds. I'm really interested in kind of the controls that adults enact on children, but then you overlay that between photographer and subject and all those issues of control and what the photographer really needs. And I got, I thankfully, very clear early on that my own ambition, whatever it needed to be, that I needed to see through that pretty quickly because I was working with very vulnerable people. Consent is a very tricky thing for a child to give an adult. I don't think we can ever know fully that it's been given. I can trust my gut, but I, for me, the work is definitely about those moments with the children. If, if a print emerges from it that they're happy with and I'm happy with, that's great, but that is definitely not the work. The work is, can I be there for another human being in a way that is beyond the boundaries of, of our own specific physical bodies, if that makes any sense. And I do think that it happened. I think it happens. I say that hopefully with a great deal of humility, but the experiences that I had, yeah, they're, they're really profound for me, you know, I can, and I want to really honor that they, children have their own experience of it. And I always was really clear and am really clear that when they're done, we're done. You know, I never pushed a picture or if I ever started to, then I really would notice that. Do you feel like you notice and also you start to notice it in the reaction of the child with whom you're working? Yeah, and it simply won't work. The, the great thing about that camera and the process is just then it just wouldn't work. I mean, the other thing that's such a, a miracle is that, you know, I mainly am working with children or was that were very young. And so it, you have to take real stillness for this picture to be taken. And in particular, this one home that I work in, there's, you know, four kids. It's a wild environment. And then we somehow made these pictures. The pictures absolutely were their gift to me and to themselves. It couldn't have been something that was taken. And yet, I think for me, that picture of Mavis in the back seat illustrates the fragility of that balance because she was really eager to do the picture. In the picture, what I read out of her expression is, you know, you see her strength and her resilience and her caution, her rightful caution and her vulnerability. You know, all those things feel very present to me. And those things all have been revealed to me in the two and a half years since I've made the picture. I saw one thing the first time. Again, the work for me is it goes back to the, the moment itself. That's the gift is between me and that other person. But then the gift does keep revealing itself. Each time the print interacts with the world, there's something to be learned. It doesn't belong to me anymore. This picture, it has a life of its own. It doesn't belong to me and it doesn't belong to Mavis. And she knows that too. I think she knows that. It's of her and not of her, you know. Well, I think all of this goes back to what you have said several times in our conversation, which is that it's really not about the picture that eventually hangs on the wall for you. It's about that moment that you are giving of yourself. You are opening yourself to this child and they are returning that. So right. it's about the connection between the two of you and the picture that you make is secondary. The picture, the, pic the picture is evidence or proof of that. Someone said, 
I don't know where I read this, but that basically we have a hard time coming up with a definition for love, but really love is attention. And for me, that's what it is. You know, it's just, it's just attention, which is a very hard thing to give to ourselves and to the world because there's all this other stuff in the way. All the way from the very inside, that's all exactly. the way out. That's right. That's right. From the inside at its core. And then there's all this reinforcement Mm-hmm. for all those beliefs and things. So, yeah. Do you feel the need to give the context? I mean, we can have all these conversations more existentially about the meaning of photography and death and life and all of that. And I think that's great and doesn't harm the work. But if I think I give the specifics in the way that people might be drawn into the narrative of the specific girl or the circumstances of her life, I think that would remove from it because I think just the way that our minds work that people would attach to those things and then they would lose where their mind would take them with it. A lot of your method of connecting and seeing who needs to be photographed, it's very intuitive in a way that feels more feminine to me. So I wondered if you see it that way. I mean, I see those things just as being culturally based. So I would reflect that reality that, you know, we as women have been encouraged to use those capacities more. Mm -hmm. And I do think what matters is trusting however you are. It got easier when I stopped questioning that instinct. So if I have an instinct that I need to photograph someone, then I just do. You know, I'd like that gives me a certain amount of courage, which is why people say yes, where I'm like, that's important. That needs attention paid to it. And that leads me to where I am with the work now, which is a new place. There's someone that I really, really want to photograph and have not had the opportunity to yet. She's a little bit older and I know that I need to photograph her. Like, And it hasn't happened. And I have a show in January at Sweetbriar College and uh, I had these ideas that she would be in it and, and that's not going to happen. And so that that's okay. Because if the work is about paying attention to what's happening now, then I could spend a lot of time, wasted time, sort of being like, well, I haven't gotten to work with her. But instead, I feel just, well, that hasn't happened yet. I feel grateful to know that paying attention to my own children feels very important right now, not with the camera. They're not my work. It was very clear to me that my children are not my work. I mean, they're my work in a different way. They're my deepest work, really. But in terms of my creative work, all those issues of consent are so complicated when it comes to parent and child. And so I think it's wonderful when people are making work with their children. It's a different territory and one that I knew that I couldn't do my own. I just, that's like a different layer. Mm-hmm. I wanted to return for a minute to, so you use a large format camera. Yeah. And you've talked a little bit about how that puts creative limitations Mm -hmm. on your work. So can you give me a picture of what a large format camera is and how it uses? Because I was using it recently, so I'll pull it out. So yeah, I think technically there's some things that definitely are worth noting about photography in relationship to this whole process of paying attention that we're talking about. Uh, One is, just that it's a technical process. And so when you're occupied with sort of managing something technically, when your hands are doing something, then that's what your mind is occupied doing, right? Which is a really good thing for the mind to do, which is doing practical things. That's what the mind is good at. So when 
I'm occupied doing that, that takes everything my mind has to be managing this camera. So you're sort of occupied doing all these technical things and then the mind can kind of relax and then the work can kind of do itself, I think. The other thing that's really great about it is that when you're taking this camera, the photographer themselves becomes a spectacle. So, cause I go under the dark cloth, you know, I'm going under and I'm focusing. I'll show you, I'll show you. You can go over there and see. So I'm like going under and then I'm seeing the image, I can see you. But after you do all of that, which is a very manual process. I ship my film away to get processed. Developing your own color film is not that reasonable. Chemicals are pretty toxic and and I love playing in the dark room, but it's never been an essential part of my process. So then I get the negatives back and then I scan them. And so you scan them and then, and then I manipulate, you manipulate them, them I digitally. Manipulate them digitally. What you're doing digitally is what you would have done in the dark room. I mean, I'm not like doing anything extra. I'm just trying to, to make the negative look the way that it looked. But then that too is where your own, you know, I'm trying to make the colors look the way that I remembered them. But obviously my whole life before that informs the way that I need the colors to be, which in my case is slightly warm. The blues need to have a certain quality. I'm really color sensitive. So that's, I think that's good. It is good. It shows in your work. I mean, you know, to go back to the picture that we've been talking about, Mavis in the back seat, part of what is so gorgeous about that picture is the colors. The colors it's are just so important. An infinite number of blues, right. including her eyes. And yeah. I mean, it's it has like a Renaissance quality to it. Yeah. I'm always drawn to those paintings because of the luminosity right. of the color. Right, in the sense that you could sort of enter into the frame. But you should know how to do something. The craft shouldn't be in the way of you getting to the actual material. I mean, you have to know your craft because you shouldn't question like, the person, in, was this an intentionally crappy thing? But if the craft kind of falls away, then you can kind of fall into the picture. Mm -hmm. no. And that goes back to what you were talking about at the very beginning of our conversation about people are looking for truth in photography. And it's not the truth. That's right. It's someone's truth. Right. I think that's really it. They're looking for you know, emotional truth, which is ultimately their emotional truth, but they can't access that unless I've done my work, I don't think. Mm -hmm. I don't see how that would be possible. I don't want to say that there's no objective truth, but there's no objective truth. Yeah. <laughs> there, I mean, there really isn't. We all see the world through our eyeballs. We project it through That's our right. own eyeballs. Yeah, we shouldn't confuse a picture of the moon for the moon. Mm -hmm. And the incredible mysteriousness that is the moon. Cynthia Henry, thank you so much for joining me. Thanks for listening to the show today. We're a project of Look See, an online forum for the visual arts in Richmond and beyond. Go to look-see.net for more to watch, read, do, and listen to about Richmond's vibrant creative community. I'm Paige Goodpasture.